0: Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk.
1: My name is Dan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com.
0: And I'm Mark. I'm the editor and founder of the Chasing Amazing blog.
1: Thanks for joining us for the fourth episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this monthly podcast, and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors, as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture.
0: We're going to begin by discussing recently released Spider-Man comics. For episode 4, we will be discussing Superior Spider-Man issues number 10 and 11, as well as our thoughts on where the series is headed. We'll then discuss this month's Spider-News before concluding with a discussion about a classic comic from our collections. This week we'll be looking at the classic Green Goblin Crime Master arc issues uh, Amazing Spider-Man 26 and 27.
1: If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Uh, In the past, you guys might have heard this sound on the podcast. Well, uh, I got emails from several people and and some tweets that the link functionality no longer worked on uh, iOS's new podcasting app. So I'm kind of sad to announce that we're not going to be embedding links anymore. However, I assure you listeners that as soon as it comes back or someone, possibly one of you, uh, alerts me on how to fix this, we'll start using them again. That being said, I'm still going to be including all the awesome photos you guys expect. So keep your eyes peeled to your iOS devices for, like, the best experience with this podcast. The best. Yeah, absolutely. You can email (laughs) us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast to SuperiorSpiderTalk at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk.
0: And really, Dan, our Facebook page is a great place to keep up with us in between shows, as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. So please, like, like the man Dan said, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Superior Spider-Talk. And also don't forget to leave us reviews on iTunes. We, we love your feedback, good and bad, although fortunately most of it's been good. Um, also, we uh, one more time want to thank uh, Tyler Barlas from SpiderFan.org for joining us on, on our last episode. That's episode three in your uh, podcast menu there. If you have not listened to that super awesome interview yet with Tyler, who is a super knowledgeable Spider-Man fan, we strongly encourage you to do so. All right, so Superior Spider-Man issue ten. Uh, this is the first of the uh, post-status quo switch again. I guess it's the the new status quo after we only had a switch a few months ago in Superior Spider-Man number one.
1: That's what I'm loving about this book. We're getting so many changes so quickly.
0: The world changes every four or five issues at this rate, it seems. But the, but you know, the, the the thing is, you know, is it is it being overhyped or are they delivering? And, you know, what I thought was interesting about, um, what Dan Slott did with this issue was, I mean, first of all, it really did feel like the start of something new. Um, I mean, not having Astral Peter there, kind of Jiminy cricketing over Otto's, uh, shoulder, I felt was, um, it was a need to change. I mean, you know, we, we, we learned after issue nine came out that, um, Astral Peter was basically there as, a. um. Uh, a bargaining chip from Marvel is, you know, if you're going to kill off Peter, please just, you know, have him in some format so the long-term fans don't go bananas or, or crazy town banana fans, I should say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, like, this, this, I was ready for some stories that really focused on um, Spider-Rock, on, on Otto as the hero and, and kind of relishing in his victory over his arch-rival, and I think the thing that slot did, which was really sneaky and clever, was there was Peter Parker all over this issue, even if um, he wasn't physically involved in any way. And, and, and I guess it kind of made things comfortable, but I mean, it, it really seems to be setting up this idea that um, without Peter's memories or, or, or the essence of Peter embedded in Ock's brain... He's he's already starting to lose sight of the power and responsibility, and what we're seeing is is you know I think a, a mirror image to what Amazing Fantasy 15 was, which is you know this this arrogant guy getting blessed with these powers and and trying to figure out what he can do with them. I mean he's he's fighting crime, he's 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 going back to school, he's doing all these things that um, he thinks that Peter wasn't capable of doing himself, and in effect he's making all the same mistakes Peter made whether, Yeah, yeah he's you know,
1: ignoring danger at the peril of his loved ones
0: yeah I I mean you know we, 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 we had the Mary Jane scene uh, in the cl- in the nightclub where you know and you know I know you had some issues Dan about how that was presented but I mean and you can get into that in a second but I mean for me what was effective about it was you know it was it was kind of this this not an exact parallel to Uncle Ben obviously but I mean this idea that you know, he Peter in the past had always seemed to show up at the nick of time because I mean you know I mean even going back to the Ditko Lee and Romita and Lee issues of the Silver Age I mean you know when when you know when the bleep hit the fan Peter was usually with Gwen and MJ and Harry and Flash and and you know he would sneak off somewhere and show up and, and save the day uh, you know Otto is so consumed with. Building this reputation as you know this this street street crime buster, that he's lost sight of of his friends and family. Um, yeah, and
1: and you know before Peter might have just been like a, he might have been a bad date, uh, but he was always there to save his friends as Spider Man. Anytime he was ducking out on a date, it was to to do something to to benefit them. But there is a good argument made here because. I don't think that Doc Ock is entirely wrong in in his his methods. You know, he's you know he ducks out on his date, which we'll get to in a minute, um, in order to take down some crime bosses and lets you know the police and the firemen do their jobs. And he's looking at a bigger picture here, um, and maybe he's missing some of the smaller things. Um, you know, but but he is being effective. I, I think you can argue that he is in many ways superior. Um, as a crime fighter,
0: yeah, but but it's all tinged with this, you know, trademark auto arrogance that you just know is going to be his undoing. I mean, like to me, one of the one of the moments that made my my head turn was the exchange with Aunt May when you know, and I mean, this was so reminiscent of the early issues, the Dick Oli issues. You know, her saying, you know, I don't want you hanging ar- hanging around that nasty Spider Man anymore. And he's saying, "I promise you, we'll never do that again." And Peter never made that promise. Peter would just kind of brush it aside <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, yeah," because <laughs> he knows he couldn't keep that promise. And and you just know that 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 pledge is going to bite him in, in the in the behind. I mean, I, I just don't see how it can't. I mean, you know, I, even even if Otto is superior, he's you know, like that's just I feel an uncontrollable situation. Um,
1: what I love is like the the discussion that you are you and I are having about like. Uh, the effectiveness of each Spider-Man is the same conversation that the Jamesons are having at the dinner table, um, and they're arguing set against Aunt May's positivity about Peter's life and all the things that are going right for him. He's becoming a doctor. He's got a woman in his life. Is really kind of haunting that you know, as as one woman is is growing closer to Peter and more distant from his alternate reality, uh, alternate personality, his whole world behind that is like in disarray, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I thought that was one of the most effective scenes that slot has ever written. Uh, yeah,
0: no, definitely. And, and, and like I I mean, it's, it's just becoming more and more apparent. And, you know, I know people talk about slots obsession with continuity and, and maybe that even shows off a little bit with it, but um, it, these issues like I mean you, you just hold a mirror to it I mean like I've been going back and rereading a lot of the older issues for for posts or for other things and like I'm just looking at these things again and I'm like this this must be where he's pulling details from because like it's it, you, you just hold the mirror up and, and, and they're the same kind of themes and, and I mean I guess you know there's Spider-Man topics uh, Spider-Man comics how many different topics can you talk about but like there really seems to be um true diligence to trying to um parallel the original source material and that's you know it, it it goes back to you know Dan and I talked about this for for four you know this will be our fourth episode now talking about the fact that this idea that Peter is gone is 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 just not true it's 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 still it Peter is still the 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 emotional nerve center of this comic. It's just, it's just focusing on someone else's Spider-Man. And, yeah, and I mean,
1: he's, he's what we judge all of Ox actions against.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then obviously we got some nice villains who showed up in this issue. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we got Owl. Um, you know, I, I recently, and, and it's a shame you can't throw the link up, but, but you know, I recently talked about the original uh, Owl-Octopus war arc on chasing amazing blog um and i just love that little throw in there um you yeah, know we got we got some white dragon and then of course you know the big reveal at the end but uh what was your take on on how the villains were used in this issue
1: yeah i mean i it was it was really pleasure, pleasurable to see these villains it's always nice to see that guys you remember like are still out there living their lives and it creates a more like unified universe all in all and i love this thing that slot has introduced is that all of these villains have their own kind of like gangs um that wear their outfits although i think you could probably uh ask about the white dragons henchmen and the outfits that they're wearing because they <laughs> look like kkk members
0: oh boy yeah, I, I i didn't even think about that but that's that that yeah that's true
1: <laughs> yeah it really bothered me when I was reading it i was like these guys have probably gonna have different enemies uh than just spider man walking around the streets like that
0: yeah
1: um but uh I, I really love this because I you know after a while it gets kind of tiring, I think, seeing these kind of mono a mono fights between like heroes and villains because you 're wondering what the villain 's goal is like they 're just trying to get power, but like what does that mean? but seeing these people surrounding them gives you an idea of like, oh, like they are actually already establishing power like street presence and and you know it makes sense in in the world we we don 't exist in a world where one man is wielding power, and um, it seems like such a nebulous thing. But this really actually establishes their goals and 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 gives them kind of this battle, like why they might not like each other. And so that was I thought really nice that even now the vulture, the goblin, um, the owl, and the white dragon all have like little armies of their own, which I, yeah. I think is really interesting.
0: And again, not to keep beating this this drum here, but it, it totally mirrors the Silver Age issues. I mean, you know, you have you know i mean we'll get to this when we do our retro comic but you know the goblin and his people and crime master and the enforcers and and uh, you know octopus and the master planner arc has his little henchman you know i mean it's like you know this this it it wasn't you know i guess it was more like fantastic four and 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 some of the other comics that had more of these like larger than life personality spider-man always had more i mean with a few exceptions obviously but in the beginning. Had more of a street level feel to it, um, you know, and and then, and that proceeded through the sixties with Kingpin and, and 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 his people, and and so it's just it's just good to um, kind of go back to those roots because um, you know the, you know people always hold those issues in such high regard and for good reason, um, and yeah. I think it just oh, sorry Did, oh, I, was was saying, I,
1: I thought it was good to hear from the uh, Goblin Cult again. I thought we would never hear from them ever again.
0: Yeah. Um, before we talk about Goblin, um, did, how, what did you think about Tombstone getting picked off so quickly? Did yeah. you, did we...
1: I mean, there's, there's a whole story that could be told there, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me so much. I think we don't, we've not seen a lot of Spider-Man fighting Tombstone. I mean, he's had a couple of arcs, but I wouldn't rank him among t- his like top villains, although I know some would, uh, so yeah. I wasn't so, like, messed up with that. There's a bigger story to be told, and I, we can tell from the images on his computer screens that Kingpin is his next big target. Um, oh, yeah. I'm much more interested in seeing that go down than reading issues about every thug that he takes down.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I just—I I, I know some people hold him in higher regard than others. I've, I've always been kind of nonplussed with Tombstone. With I mean, most of their big epic fights were in Spectacular, which— you know, as we discussed in episode three with Tyler, I mean, I I, I definitely have some blind spots with Spectacular, um, but I do remember because those Tombstone issues came out when I was a kid, so I do remember those 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 encounters. Although I did find, <laughs> I do find it interesting. I, I, I I'm, I'm thinking back, and I never seen a commercial for the Spider-Man musical on Broadway here in New York, and yeah, there's a Tombstone mask in that show, so I guess those people thought he was worthy of being. In musical theater, so you know. Yeah, well, go figure. I mean,
1: take a look at the whole lineup. There's a bunch of people that probably shouldn't be there in, <laughs> in the lineup. Uh, Swarm is is one of the cast members.
0: Oh, is okay. <laughs> and so I don't you, have you
1: even read any issues with Swarm?
0: No, I have not. Is yeah, that yeah, that's got to be spectacular, yeah, right?
1: Swarm is a Nazi skeleton that comes back to life by being surrounded by bees. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's a spectacular, an early spectacular issue.
0: This is a Bronze Age that. issue, isn't it?
1: Uh. It's uh no it's it's silver age i i would say i mean early 80s so i don't i mean not early 80s like i'd say mid 70s that's
0: yeah, bronze age I yeah, was just cuz so, like yeah. cuz that's the period where every new villain introduced in in amazing or spectacular or team up was just a disaster outside of like the jackal and um tarantula i always had a soft spot for but you know that was the, <laughs> that was the era of cyclone and uh the of uh, the, the guitarist um the Hypno Hustler yeah right and, and i got a soft spot
1: for Hypno Hustler
0: okay well <laughs> <laughs> the given uh man, the the bear or uh, the grizzly the grizzly oh yeah the grizzly's
1: my favorite although there's still don't like don't uh bash all, all of just the silver or uh, bronze age silver age has got the looter eh.
0: Looter wasn't terrible. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they kind of redid it then with, with Rocket Racer, right? I mean, they kind of felt like similar backstories.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, uh, well anyway. Anyway,
0: we're, we're totally digressing here. But. <laughs>
1: Which Spider-Man villains do you not like? That exactly. Be, that could be yeah. a whole other show.
0: Uh, so, so 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 to to bring us back on point so uh we, we one of your we, we learned one of your predictions seemingly came true in terms of who was the mysterious person that Carly was talking to in superior number eight right
1: yeah, it's Captain Watanabe, i believe yes I think really the big the big mystery there is just over the coloration of that one panel it made it look like the person was potentially uh you know an african American person.
0: And a male.
1: Didn't it look like a man? Uh, The jawline was pretty pronounced. But in the prior image, it looked like a a woman uh, with, like, slightly tan skin. So I don't know. Um, I kind of assumed from the way the speech patterns were going that it was Captain Watanabe. And it looks like she's back from her, like, time away after uh, being the Wraith. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, she's going to interrogate these police officers. What did you think of this scene?
0: Um... I I kind of liked it. I know. I think in an earlier conversation you were this way and that with it, but but for me, I mean, it, it totally made sense. Uh, um, you know, I know like there's some skepticism about you know how does how does Spider-Man shoot someone in the head at point-blank range and no one comes forward as a witness, but um, you know, I, I I feel because you know he was almost acting as, as the police would have in that situation, um, you know, to kind of shoot the kill, not to disarm at that point when someone's on a, on a rampage in a public space that yeah. I could see them defending him and, and, and protecting him. And, you know, cause I mean, you know, cops typically, you know, notoriously stereotypically, whatever you want to say, don't sell out their own. So why would, why would they sell out Spidey there? I mean, it's kind of marking the transition that Otto is making as, you know, the public menace, and, and villains who the likes of JJ, JJJ and um and and the police and, and the you know the, the the established law and order um, venues and, and showing that he is now kind of you know the vil- the villain is essentially immersing himself with with the respected heroes which i think obviously speaks to the differences in approach with Otto and Peter
1: yeah I agree. I think there is kind of a well documented and explored brotherhood between police officers, you know like not reporting things to to the betterment and detriment of society i'm sure um and feel free to email us if you're a police officer <laughs> <laughs> but uh my problem with this. And I don't know if it's a problem with this issue, but it it brings up a problem I've had for a while with the whole massacre subplot Mm -hmm. um, where he wanted to kill a bunch of people in a crowded place so that he could destroy the image of a company. Um, That was his And They never really
0: went back to that, right? What? They haven't gone back to that since that issue, right? Since Superior Five, the whole – uh, mark at, you know, viral marketing campaign that he was trying to do.
1: Right. But like the whole, the whole point of him going to grand central station, which I, which is where it was. Correct.
0: Grand, grand central Street. terminal, Dan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a, sorry. Train, train nerd alert.
1: <laughs> oh God. So anyway, uh, he's in the terminal. I lived in New York for five years and I didn't oh, no, know it okay. referred to as a terminal particularly. It's a
0: terminal because that's where the trains terminate. Okay. Station is the subway spot. You gotta trust me on this one.
1: I trust you. I'm <laughs> something that nerdy I will not combat. Hey,
0: I I when I was when I was a newspaper reporter, I had to I, I actually wrote about Grand Central. I had a whole series of of, of columns about the mysteries of Grand Central, so I, I was you know I became, in, I became uh you know well versed. <laughs> Continuous with Spider-Man. I'm sorry. This is a this is a uh, major digression type of episode this week.
1: You're just looking to plug your old, old, old work.
0: Yeah, because you, you can Google my name and maybe find it at this point. I'm sure that that has been buried. This is newspaper, so there was probably zero web presence ten years ago with that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So anyway, his whole point was to make this thing go viral, like it to be like as public as humanly possible, like. And yet no one saw it. Like it got out to no one. Like I thought the whole point was that Spider-Man was executing someone like on TV, like to everybody. Um, You know, that was the whole point. Why set up that plot line and that particular scheme, which was already a weird scheme to begin with. If it's just going to lead to you going, well, no, nobody saw that. Like it's the exact opposite of a match, you know, Um
0: no, that's a great point. For that yeah.
1: scheme and this plot line. So like it just seems – like for several you know, uh, issues, I was like freaking out that why is no one responding to Peter Parker or Spider-Man having killed people, like the people closest to him? Like Mary Jane should have been freaking out and now we realize the reason is because she didn't know about it. Um, she's only seen him attack Jester. But then it brings up the question, how did the Avengers know that he had killed someone? if no one had seen it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, he killed someone. Well, we've all killed someone. And then he attacks like, uh, the jester and screwball. And then they act. It's like, this didn't happen. And yet they know about it. And other people don't, it seems like this, it's just this murky plot line that either like slide. He's so tight on everything else. It seems like a weird thing for him to do. Um, because it makes massacres plan seem really dumb. Uh, because it doesn't work at all. It just seems like broken logic to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you almost have to wonder if there were pages left on the cutting room floor between issues 5 and 10 that maybe would have tied that up and thus we were left with what we were left with. Because, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, it hasn't even, you know, like you said, it was kind of addressed by the Avengers. This Black Widow, point blank, said, you know, talked about killing somebody, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and like Wolverine addressed these. we've all killed someone. You yeah. know, like, why are we holding this guy to a different standard? Which means they know about it. But, I mean, I guess they're the Avengers. They might know about it or something. But, like, yeah, yeah, but... I, I don't know. It it just seems odd that some people are allowed to know about it and others are not allowed to know about it. Yeah. And no. I can forgive someone for, like, making that mistake. I mean, no nothing's perfect. But, it, to me, it, it, it caused a wrinkle for me in the past several issues. Of, like, you know, the characterization of people like MJ... Like, me being concerned, like, why isn't MJ reacting to this? And I, I do have a problem with the characterization of MJ in this uh, issue as well.
0: Um, the whole series, it's been problematic. Yeah, opinion. which is
1: weird because she was such a strongly written character before Superior Spider-Man, giving Peter Parker great advice and, you know, and kind of getting back to who she used to be as Mary Jane when she was a stronger character. Um and we were all really excited to have her back in the book. She even admits in Spider Island that she loves Peter, like under her breath, you know. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I thought that was the strongest she had been written in years.
1: Yeah, and to see her kind of being swept under the rug this way seems—it seems like odd because it, it, you know, it seemed like Slot really like got this character, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but um, she's been kind of mistreated. I feel in in the Superior series.
0: Yeah, I, I can't argue with you on that. I, it's 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 a curious thing because, like you said, it seems like Slot definitely had a handle on her. Um, I mean, I thought he had a handle on a few female characters, and and, and some, and you know, I, I mean, I, I thought the stuff with Carly was Carly Cooper was good, and 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 you know, during that during that run as well, and and you know, even now, like there's kind of. You know, beyond the whole issue with who witnessed what with massacre, I mean, there's kind of this I don't know, very Hamlet-esque kind of procrastination going on with Carly Cooper right now. I mean, like I I feel like this is kind of a, a hokey plot device being used where she knows something is up, but you know, she wants to you know, she's a she's a cop and a detective, so she's gotta find it all out before she can do anything. And I'm like thinking to myself, well you would you would think that, you know, the events from ASM seven hundred would, would kind of be all that she needed to just really dive into this instead of trying to like you know, put her toe in the water and inch over. But it I mean, you know, it seems like this is being deployed as, you know, this is gonna be the ongoing thing to, you know, when is Carly going to break the break the case open? And I mean obviously You know they want to they want to run the storyline out, but it it it, it just it doesn't feel organic to me. It feels very forced and kind of trite to me. I don't know. Uh, That's just um, that doesn't address MJ. But I mean, maybe it's it's just kind of the 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 female supporting cast in this issue in in this series has been kind of wishy washy for me.
1: Yeah, my problem with MJ in in this issue in particular is where she's stuck in her burning bar um, or club. she literally sits down on the floor and like waits for Spider Man to come to save her. Um and then these firemen come and kick in the door. And I like that beat, you know, but to me, this is the same woman who during Spider Island just a few issues ago, it really wasn't that long ago, got spider powers and then swing around the city beating people up and told Peter Parker about all of his failings as a hero, she doesn't seem like the kind of person that would just sit down on and and allow herself to be burned. I feel like, yes, she might rely on Peter to save her, but she would be the one kicking in the door too. She's experienced with this stuff. And you could have her kick the door and still get the same result that she needs to be saved by someone. Um, but I guess you would miss the beat of her sitting there thinking, you know, like, where's Peter? You know, but I, I don't know if that's, in character for her. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, what's what, what we're, what we're really talking about and what we're really criticizing here is I think these are moments where slot is um, serving story over character. Yeah. Um, you know, we, what we have here is, you know, with MJ, you know, they're, they're obviously trying to establish the fact that she, you know, she's long relied on Peter to, to be the hero. And because it's not Peter anymore, um, that's just, you know, it's not going to happen this way. You know, she needs a new hero, another Peter a Pedro, um, which was funny and, and fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I hope he hangs around. Like yeah, I would definitely. love to see MJ dating, you know, Pedro, like what a great wrinkle for Peter. Like if he ever comes back, which I'm shu- assuming he will, or even Oc, discovers that MJ is now dating another Peter. Like what, what a great, what a great, uh, what a great thing to set up.
0: Yeah, definitely. But but the thing is, I mean, that's but that was serving the story. I mean, like you know, like I, I feel like it's they serve the story at the expense of the character, and and you know, you, you just have to be careful with that because you know if you do that too much, you end up undoing elements of the character that are very established. You know, I mean, then then you then you got to start writing the characters in new ways, and and you can't just lean and you know you can't just flip the switch back towards the, you know, the old characterization and be like, well, what, this is how it's always been. Cause you know, if you, if you stray from it too much um, you know, it kind of sets up a new expectation for how the character is going to be in the story. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, to me in, in, in you know, and I can understand why he's trying to serve a story here because again um, you know, we have this new status quo and we're not even talking about the nine to 10 status quo. I mean, just the entire superior status quo. Um, that they're they're trying to string out for a considerable amount of time, which you know we're not going to get into that again in terms of how long we think it's going to be. But it's it's um, they need to to build this up so that you know everyone knows that this is for the long term and there are going to be long term consequences. But you know just as long as it doesn't completely bury <laughs> the backgrounds of other characters that have been around since. The nineteen sixties, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of the work here is that detrimental. But no, know,
0: no, it, I'm not saying that now. Everything I, I mean, else
1: is so pitch perfect. When you notice like one little note that's like a little flat, you know, uh, you know, it stands out. It stands out.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. For me, it's, yeah, and I don't mean this kind of sound overly cranky here. It's just, it's just this idea of, you know, we we, we still should have the expectation of doing both. You know, we, we, we should be serving story. We should be serving character and I don't see why we can't. So it's just, you know, just something to, to, to watch for as, as we have more of these moments going forward, you know, like what, what's going to prevail or or, are we, are we just going to set up a way so we can milk another six or eight issues out of this run or, or are we going to stay true to the character? So, um, We've been pretty happy with with Stegman, Ryan Stegman, so far. Uh, these last few issues. What did you think of what he did here in ten?
1: Yeah, I think this is one of his stronger ones. I mean, I, I feel like I say that every uh, episode, but you know, the guy is just really knocking it out of the park. Um, he, his, you know, mannerisms with with uh, Doc Ock or Peter Puss or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are even stronger here. There's a sequence, a full page spread of him jumping off a building. And the way his fingers are curled, it's just so villainous. Uh, I thought it was really lovely um, to see that. But I I did have a problem with how he frames some of his images. You know, Stegman's work is really, he uses a lot of ink, uh, a lot of like blacks. And um, so he boxes his artwork with these wide white frames a lot. Um, and I don't really know how I feel about it, but I feel like they're a little distracting, um, from the images and kind of make things feel like they're floating in the page kind of awkwardly. Do you, do you feel that way or am I being nitpicky?
0: I don't know if it's you being nitpicky, but I, 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 I don't see it as that. I mean, like, I mean, I think I've said a couple of times that of, of all of the superior artists so far, Stegman is definitely my favorite. I think Stegman. Um, it's it's the artist that truly gets the value of body language with his characters. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I think my focus is more on that than than maybe how it's artistically plotted and framed. Um, but that's not to say that you're wrong. I I just I, I just don't view it quite like that. I'm more caught up in the facial expressions and and like you said, just the you know. How just even how he in the in a mask, there's body language. Oh um, yeah, and and that's I, I mean you know I I feel that that's missing when it's um, Ramos and the other fel- character guy who I can't pronounce his last name Cam- Cam- Camus Kelly or how I do think you
1: it's say Cuman, that Co- Cuman
0: human Coley. Coley, thank you uh, <laughs> and I'm Janakio, you'd think I'd know that but uh, <laughs> but anyway you know I I I, I, I I see what you're talking about. It's just—it just is it just, not something that was necessarily.
1: There's a great image in this uh, where uh, Spider-Man pins the white dragon up against the wall, and his eyes are so big and bug-like; it's terrifying. You know, mm. I have never looked at the Spider-Man mask and thought it was like a scary thing before. But just the way it's drawn, and and the and the line work that he does there, and the inking in that particular image, I thought was like really striking.
0: Yeah, and then just from a, and just from a sure sheer off standpoint, I mean, some of his splash pages in mean, the I love the one. I mean, we were talking about the owl earlier, um, and we'll show you this image here. I mean, uh, the one where you know the owl is trying to come up from behind, and you have like the the, the, the panels within Spider-Man's torso that I thought were just re- it was just a really cleverly plotted page, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and the Goblin King reveal at the end is like you can spend hours, p- you know, picking through that for all the little creepy details that he's added.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's been great. Um, Not to
1: mention the redesign of the, like, vulture babies.
0: Yes. Who are these terrifying gargoyles now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely definitely a little scary, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I hear the train a-coming. It's rolling I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom prison And time keeps dragging on
1: But that train keeps rolling
0: On down to San Antonio
1: When I was just All right, well, let's move into our discussion of uh, a review for Superior Spider-Man number 11. What did you think of this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, Superior 11 was there was definitely nothing uh abjectly bad about it, but it definitely it definitely felt like a setup here. I mean, we're now it's a good, it's first of a three-part arc with with um the raft, which to me is kind of, you know, the the comically bad prison for supervillains. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's Yeah, it anybody that from.
1: used the AR app, uh, there is like a 5-minute uh, like retrospective video of all of the breakouts that occurred in the raft like since the breakout within the new Avengers it went on forever I, it was just comically awful
0: yeah I, I, which I mean I'm sure is 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 the, the joke here why they're why they're doing this arc here I mean I, I and, and actually what it, it kind of ties into I mean what I what I enjoyed about this this issue um, and you know the, 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 i mean they're hitting you over the head with the theme here i mean the, even the cover image i mean the, this this whole idea whole idea of of Otto's entrapment but you know again kind of playing off the themes that we had in superior 10 i mean i think there are elements of of how he's entrapped that um he doesn't even realize yet um, you know for him he's just you know he's just sitting there and, and just as a note we, we Christos Cage gets credit on this one and i and I thought that you know i I, I've, I had some issues with with Gage in the past I think he's he's starting to get it he, he seems to write auto better than he did Peter in my opinion yes, yeah, I
1: agree I think his writing in this issue is like uh, uh really great and I read an interview with him and slot uh where slot says he enjoys plotting and Gage enjo- is writing the dialogue more. And I think that like it makes absolute sense if you read both of their writing. Like I think Gage's dialogue is really great and Slot's plotting is really great. And and these issue together uh, really show a really nice pairing, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean it's definitely a more ominous reading issue, I feel than its predecessors, which is saying a lot considering like I mean issue 9 is certainly very ominous, but like there was still kind of that slot lacquer of sunshine to it. I don't know if that, and I that's not putting down slot. I'm just well, saying Slott that it writes
1: that, a lot like Stan Lee. It's very kind of yes. boisterous, you know, like over the top writing, you know, that that's you know it it's it, it can be subtle, but it it's kind of intentionally like big comic book writing.
0: Exactly. I mean even in even in these like crushing, dispiriting moments, there's kind of this like, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, just liking it to Stan I think is perfect because, like, you know, I I, I go back and read those old Silver Age issues and I can almost, you know, hear Stan's voice reading it to me because it's just just so distinctive and I I feel like –
1: Yeah, how much money would you pay for that?
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, I I mean I like that episode of Comic Book Men where he came on and was talking about – Amazing Spider-Man 90, and he's, like, reading the, uh, the dialogue of Captain Stacy to Peter, like, look after her, Peter. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting chills just hearing him say it. <laughs> but going back to Spider-Man, one
1: of the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, but yet fantastic storylines was Captain Stacy's death. What were your thoughts on those
0: monumental events in Spider-Man's life? The death of Captain Stacy was something I thought the readers wouldn't expect But it was the type of thing that could happen in real life. But what I liked best about it was the very end. When Captain Stacy was dying, and Spider-Man was there with him trying to save him, but he couldn't save him. And Captain Stacy looked up at Spider-Man, and with his dying breath, he said something like, take good care of her, Peter. Peter knew that Stacy had always known who he was. To me, that was one of the most dramatic panels in comics. I love that, or in anywhere really. I thought that was good. <laughs> Here, it's through my TV, it's great, but, but don't but tell your like... wife that. No, I know, right? <laughs> no, she would appreciate it. We, she always, she always. Uh... Gets excited when she sees Stan in the movies. Uh, so, um, but uh, no, I mean, but I, I think it's the same way with Slide. You you can kind of hear him reading it to you in his in his in his voice, and, and Gage is just ever so slightly different and a little more ominous. Um, you know, obviously in terms of the entrapment, you know, he's bemoaning this this you know slacker lifestyle of Peter Parker. Doesn't have his doctorate. Doesn't have his, um, you know, has this job with with Max Modell, and 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 Modell's his inferior, and you know, like all they want me to do is make inventions, and you know, I I have better things to be doing with my time. Did you feel? Uh, did you
1: feel like that was a a big change from the way he was presented last issue? Issue ten, he's very up on how great Peter's life is and how he just missed out on it. But it seemed to me like a little bit of a changeover here for this issue in terms of his positivity towards being Peter Parker.
0: Yeah. See, I I saw that as a, as a natural progression and, and, and I I actually had this conversation with someone else recently. I I, I felt that um, in terms of, of last issue versus this issue, I I mean, the, the, the the, the honeymoon is kind of wearing off here, you know, like, like he's, 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 he's eradicated Peter He's he's living his life out. And now like he's starting to and, and, and the thing, the the things that he's bemoaning are all related to Peter. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's not like he's bemoaning being Spider Man. Yeah. And, and 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 I think it's just marking that transition. And again, that whole Amazing Fantasy fifteen parallel. I mean, I think he's he he's without Peter there in his subconscious, he's not understanding why
1: it's important to do these things.
0: Yes. It's a, he, he's missing he's missing the point about what being Peter Parker is, you know, and, and what what it's about and the value Peter's life is to his family and, and to the public and things like that, because I don't even know if Peter always understood the value of him. I mean, you know, you could do an it's a wonderful life with Peter and <laughs> I'm
1: sure are they, they did de- and they have.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. That's there what was I'm an saying. annual
1: I mean, shortly ago that did that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was that the the thirty the one where he's disappearing on the cover or something like that? Or, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was, I think, yeah, last year's annual. Um, yeah, I, I, I just to me that didn't bother me because I feel like you know now we're we're establishing. I mean, time has passed. Um, there has to be time has passed because you know the these these gangs have been cleared up and and. You know the Goblin King is reassembling, but we don't we don't know anything where that's going yet. So you you get the sense that now, whereas Ishii Tin may have may have picked up, you know, hours after the the Parkerectomy, this could be a week or two later, and he's like starting to realize, ah, eh, you know what, this is this has its shortcomings, and and I'm I'm too good for this, and I don't understand, and, and it's just also bringing Otto's hubris to the forefront, which is going to obviously be an ongoing theme as this series continues. So if that didn't bother me, I I know some people are like, where did this come from? You know, like, you know, he was talking about his great reward a few issues ago and now he's like, this sucks, but it sucks as Peter. It doesn't suck as Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah,
1: I agree. One, One of the things that you mentioned, the Goblin King not being in this issue, we don't know where it's going. These things are things that I really enjoy about Dan Slott's run I know this isn't really directly related to Superior 11, but I feel like he's made it so that every issue and every arc has been an important one and it really gets me to like look forward to the series more. Even the um, you know, the time machine arc, the time door, which was very fun to read, is going to uh, you know probably be an essential, you know, piece of reading because he's going to use it for uh, you know, talking to Spider-Man 2099. There's not a single like really wasted you know, um, series of issues in his run that don't somehow come back in some big way. And I think this issue actually is a really great way to to see not only what he's been doing through Superior, but also what he was doing in Amazing when Spider-Man, when Dan Slott was writing Amazing. Because all, we have these three big characters coming back whose stories we've seen time and time over through Dan Slott's run.
0: Mm. Speaking of of, of old moments, what did you think of revisiting... Marla Jamison and and the the Alistair Smith, Smith um, story from 655
1: I really I really enjoyed that um you know that story I I enjoyed it wasn't my favorite of of Dan Slot's run um, but I really liked its portrayal of of Jonah as this like even more damaged guy uh there's a great moment in this issue where Jonah, you know, asks Spider-Man to make sure that Smythe doesn't make it out of there alive because he knows that all these supervillains will eventually escape, you know, even on their deathbed, um, which you know echoes right back to 700. And uh, he, you know, Spider-Man says it'll it'll be over, and Jonah says not for me, and he puts her photo her photo down, and I thought that was a really touching moment that shows some humanity in this person that has become increasingly more and more of a blowhard um, and I I think is stretching his mayoral duties to their limit. Like he is becoming almost totalitarian um, at this point, and I'd be interested to see if Jonah eventually loses his position as mayor um, and is forced to get back into the newspaper business.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that would definitely be an interesting arc. I mean, I, although, I mean, they're really not establishing unless Norman Osborne comes back to run for mayor or something. <laughs> uh, that would actually be interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I really enjoyed the um, the uh, No One Dies um, arc with that started in six fifty five. That was actually just well, trivia note. That was the first. Um, of the new issues that I ever wrote about on Chasing Amazing in 2011. So oh. that kind of has significance to me on that end. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, it, it's just, I, I've never been a big spider slayer person. So I, I, I always kind of dis- disengage a little bit when he's a focal point, when, when Spice a focal point in the story. But I mean, I kind of like that he's being seconded here by all these other, villains that Otto has abused. I didn't even realize, you know, with the blind vulture and like yeah. boomerang, boomerang is all messed up. I mean, I thought that, that Peter stopped Otto before he totally went to town on boomerang. So that kind of surprised me. I mean, he,
1: yeah. I mean, he doesn't kill boomerang, but he swings him around and bashes him into the big wheel. Like yeah. he he beat him up. He's bleeding. I mean, he was cutting him up at the end. You can see the blood in that first issue of superior. Um, but yeah, the blind vulture, I did not see that coming and, and that was a real shock to me. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, it made me, my like stomach sink even more. I was like, oh man, I didn't realize just how far he had taken it.
0: Yeah. Well then when you think about it, he did what, crash into a, a, a light or a, a floodlight or whatever you want to call it. So <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in, it's in a big change for that character to suddenly be blind, you know? Right.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, but but, I mean, this kind of goes back to what I was saying in terms of the entrapment themes. I mean, it's it's, you know, again, he doesn't even realize going into that. I mean, all he's thinking about is his time there and how he escaped and everything. He doesn't even realize that he's now trapped by um, the consequences of his of his prior actions. You know, like now I mean, now now you got four villains who, you know. With innocent people around who who want him dead. I mean, even more so. I mean, it's not even just like oh, they want to commit crimes without Spider-Man interfering. I mean, they they you know they're they're ready to pay pay back big time here. So yeah, they're going to make him
1: pay with blood. Yeah, they're they're out to kill him. You know? Yeah, um, that's their their and uh, that's the only way they can escape. They say you know is by killing him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah,
1: which is interesting. And, and my favorite part of the issue is when he revisits his cell. What did you think of that?
0: No, that was great. I mean, that was that. Uh, it's it's. I, I always I, I, since the seri- series has started, I really like these these moments where they start showing Otto's memories and 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 especially him as Doctor Octopus. And they did that in the um, the classroom scene in Eleven Two, which I thought was funny. Yeah, um, and with
1: the guard who uh, yeah hosed him down.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like the this, this him. Like I said, I, I, I just like to look back and, and his reflection. Um, actually, I mean, I think my favorite moment, though, was um, his little murmuring to Nor- in front of Nora Jones.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the best. I consider that all part of the same moment. Yeah. He says, uh, a criminal, a murderer, doesn't suddenly become different. And then different. he, like, catches himself. <laughs> and she's like, why didn't you finish that thought? That was great. Like, just get on with it. Just get on <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's what so he's so arrogant. He's completely unaware that like he was once in the same situation. You know.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's it's, it's they're, they're just building this characterization more and more, and 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 I mean you just gotta feel it. They're gonna pay it off somehow because I mean, I mean that's just the theme of these issues is 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 his his, his like you said his lack of awareness his his obliviousness to to. What, he, what his actions mean to, to what he is, you know, like who, who he is. I, he, he, I, I think he, he doesn't understand what being Spider-Man is. I mean, this, these, these, this series is a referendum on what being Spider-Man is on what being Peter Parker is. And, and, you know, so, again, if you think that Peter is not in these stories, you're not paying attention. So what did you think of the art?
1: Um, you know, the, I actually am not a huge fan of Cuban Coley's work. I mean, I, I think he's done some good stuff. I particularly like the way he uh, portrays Spider-Man action sequences. Mm. Uh, there was the one with the spider, uh, the anti-Spider Squad uh, issue, the, one of the lizard issues where uh, Spider-Man is inspecting an apartment and the robots come to attack him. And I thought Cuban Coley's work was there was really brilliant in the way he portrayed that fight. But I actually think this is his best issue yet that he's worked on. Um, I don't know if it's the inking or or what it is, but I, I think his facial work here is better. And um, for some reason in previous Kim and Coley uh, works, Ed, uh, Edgar Delgado, who's an amazing colorist, has like colored Peter's hair like kind of blonde, but mm. only in Kim and Coley issues. which I can't figure out. And you don't have that problem here either. Um so yeah. I, I really liked. I love the art in this. was really great. I mean, it's. I don't think it's as good as Stegman's work. He's definitely no. my least favorite of the three um, artists. But I, I thought this was his best issue that he'd drawn yet. What
0: about you? I love that last panel with all the villains, kind of. I mean, like it, 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 it. He really did a great job making these guys look imposing. I mean, like, like Boomerang looked imposing in that panel. Yeah, like, you've right?
1: never said that sentence before.
0: No, no. I mean, like you know. Boomerang, I mean it's funny, I was just rereading when I was rereading the um is it Al Octopus when because Boomer, Boomerang is in that briefly because he's in, in the jail cell at Punisher and I'm just like and he's like actually saying like the same stuff that Bullseye would say. He's like, I'm the man's you know, put anything in my hand and it's a weapon and I'm like, Whoa, you're 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 ripping off Frank Miller's stick, buddy. Um, <laughs> and and um and I'm just like looking at this guy and I'm like you know, because I know he's going to be in Superior Foes of Spider Man as kind of one of the lead characters, and I'm like, why? Why do we give a give a hoot about this guy? But no, he looks like a legit super villain in in, in that panel there. And I, I mean, Scorpion is always good for kind of over the top physicality, but you know, and and Vulture is Vulture. But I mean, no, it was it was. I thought, I mean, that one panel specifically, like I, I was like, all right, you know, let's throw it down. That looks like a good mix of villains here. I mean, you know, maybe neither one of them individually at this point in, in the universe is inspiring, but you know, all together that, that could be fun.
1: Yeah. And I like his way that he draws Smythe, um, that redesign of Smythe, I always thought was kind of goofy. Um, and, uh, I think actually Cuban Coley does it the best. Like he makes it look like a really kind of like interesting headset that maybe wouldn't, wouldn't be able to come off. And there's one panel where he's like reading the Bible and he like looks up and smiles that I thought was really creepy. Yeah. Um, and again, Although, hats off to Edgar Delgado for his coloring. He is, you know, a wizard.
0: Definitely. Although to quote Jonah, why the hell does he have his mask on, his yeah. headset on?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but jo- come on jo- man. Jonah
1: is speaking for the reader. He's like, like I know this guy's going to get out of here.
0: Yeah, it's just very comical. So, what were your, uh, what would you, how would you rate these two issues?
1: Okay, so, so Superior number 10, you know, I liked, but I had a couple of issues with it and uh, the MJ thing and stuff. So, I'm going to give
0: that one a B. What about you? Um, I'm going to add a plus to your B. I I I mean, the MJ stuff was problematic, but I really liked the setup of all of the. Um, The Peter parallels. I mean, so much so that I am. I'll I'll give it. I mean, it's not. It doesn't encroach into A territory yet, but B plus definitely.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what about eleven for you?
0: I'm kind of on the fence between like a B and a B minus. I mean, it just. It. it, 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 I'll say. I'll say B for now. It just. It just felt very. It's a. It's an all set up issue, which isn't bad. You need those, but like, I mean, I, I feel like. You know, after this kind of fever pitch of of stories for the first 10 issues, this was the kind of the first cool-down issue that we've had since probably issue two for me. Issue two kind of felt a little flat to me. and this was like, you know, just kind of standing in place for, for for a little bit. So I'll give it a B.
1: Yeah, I think everything here works really well. And it's just set up, you know. And I think collected in the story, these are all going to sing. You know, these are going to be great issues. Um, and I like this issue quite a bit. For a while, I thought I liked it better than 10. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it a B minus. So just below you. See the day- Step now, my, oh my. Telling everybody just how to live their lives. Sliding down the information highway and just like So uh, now we're going to get into some of our spider speculation, if you will. And I don't know if we have that much to say this month because, you know, a lot of these stories are still kind of Ongoing, and many of our predictions we've made in the past are still have yet to be uh, resolved. So, um, uh, Mark, do you have anything that you have any theories about moving forward?
0: Well, I, we, we've talked about in previous episodes about the identity of the Goblin King because, you know, Slot has been very adamant about mentioning on Twitter and in interviews that all we know is the Green Goblin is back. We don't know who's under the mask. And, and you had a great theory about. Um, rather than it being Norman or Harry, that it's Normie, uh, Harry's son. And, right, because and, of the
1: hospital bed.
0: Yeah, because of the hospital bed. And, and I feel like, you know, there were some questions what would his size be? And I don't know artistically if Stegman addressed that. Um, so I, I, I still feel that there, there are hints that that might be where we're headed. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. And we don't really know how, like, you know, with comic book aging, how old is Normie? Like, he's been drawn all different var- varieties of ages.
0: And plus, he's a, he's, a, he's an Osborne. I mean, you know, I, I know nobody talks about this arc anymore, but, you know, since past, you had Gwen and... Norman's kids that like what are they? They like aged like twenty years old in like two days or something like that. Well, I, mean, I so. think
1: I think it was in several years, but yeah,
0: yeah. Well yeah, but it wasn't Ridiculous. it wasn't real time. It was not <laughs> I mean it was definitely not real time. Plus we we don't I mean, have we seen Normie since Harry's comeback?
1: Uh yeah, we have. There was an issue where they went out to Liz Allen's house with the molten man. All right. And uh, the Molten Man whole problem was resolved when Peter he- healed him, and we found out where Harry had been the whole time. And normally right. was there doing his normal thing, which is plucking the heads off Spider-Man dolls. Of
0: course. Um, and he was a kid there, I'm guessing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's aged up. But, like, we've seen during, like, uh, the Clone Saga, he's been portrayed as, like, a young teen. So, um his his age is really just kind of fluctuated quite a bit. He could
0: he could be fifteen years old and look like a young adult, right? You know?
1: But then that would definitely imply that Peter was like approaching his like mid thirties, which he definitely isn't. So no. we'll we'll see how it's how it's done. But my clue here that I that I still think it's probably him or someone like him is that he his final line in issue ten is. I am your daddy, your God, and I don't really see any adult saying I am your daddy. Um, It seems like a very childish thing to say.
0: Yeah, Uh, no, that's something. I I, I mean, but then it goes back to who else could it be? You know what I mean? Like, like, like it it just it normally just makes too much sense at this point. Um, You know, like, like, I mean, have we have we had any other kind of setup?
1: No, uh, I don't think so. And slots usually good about peppering these things in. I think his clue is the name on the hospital bed.
0: Yeah. Besides the wild Reddit esque theories about um, it actually being Peter, have you heard that?
1: Yeah, and I actually probably I think I mentioned that in the first. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. You episode did. Did. of this that. It would be cool to see Peter's brain in Norman's body, but I don't <laughs> think that, that that's happened here. I mean I, I think the writing itself goes as far as it can to disprove prove it. Like why would Peter order his henchmen to attack MJ's club? It doesn't yeah, make Yeah, no. Sense.
0: It's, it, I mean to me that moment right there just negates that entire theory.
1: But then how does Normie know how to like deprogram spider bots? Like do we know that Normie has any background in tech?
0: Yeah, I <sighs> – well, he's an Osborne, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just part of their DNA. They... Yeah, I'm, I am just gonna like that's gonna be my response to everything that is skeptic. I think he's an Osborne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, dude was dude was dead since the seventies and re, and came back to, came back to life, and then his son did the same thing, basically. So you know what? They're Osbournes.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, OK, so I don't really know what else there is to speculate about except that one of our speculations, like we have someone agreeing with us. Uh, right. The comic Should Be Good blog that you write for, uh, they speculated the same thing that I did about the Tyler-Tiberius Stone connection um, and how that relates to 2099. So um, I thought that was interesting and I think you pointed that out to me.
0: Yes. Yeah. Brian Cronin and his uh, Legends Revealed um, because, you know, someone in this in that column, he always talks about, you know, urban legends for for comic books and tries to validate them. And and they talked about the whole thing about the um, what you had talked about, the text being authored in one of the um, trade paperbacks. Yeah. And he he he's. He actually, you you kind of speculated about it. He he legitimately compared and contrasted and showed the differences with Tyler and Tiberius, and, and said this has got to be what it is. And you know, those of you who are fans of Spider Man Twenty Ninety Nine should know. And you know, basically said the same exact thing that you said. Which... I'd
1: like to think that he got it from me, but I don't think that's the case.
0: Uh, brian, I, I have a good rapport with brian uh, if he's listening uh you know i hope i'm not overstepping by saying that. so he might have listened he knows he knows about our podcast he's aware so you know maybe maybe that inspired him to check for himself well right in <laughs> brian talk to me next time i email you gimmick or good let me know if you're if if we put you on to it so So we we have some news items to talk about since um, because we really didn't do a news segment in episode three. So this is this is catching up from episode two from last month. Um, I guess you know one of the first things we saw we got Stegman's covers for um, Superior 17 and 18 that show um, Spider-Man 2099 show um, uh, blah, blah, uh, what's his name Miguel O'Hara. Sorry, I'm losing my mind here. Um and and it you you seem to think that by looking at these covers it looks like he's headed Spidey's going into the future not uh, not Miguel coming to the past right
1: Yeah you can see Alchemax in the background and uh you know they're both on this gargoyle sculpture which actually like uh was featured not only in the comic but also in the video game so you know it's very clearly like that almost like Tron looking universe mm. um You know, I don't know if the covers often reflect what's inside of the book, but, you know, if if the cover's to be believed, it looks like Spidey is headed to the future. Nice. Where he's going, they don't need roads.
0: No, definitely not. Um, And maybe no webs either, I don't know. But I I, I gotta reread my 2099 stuff um, before this art comes out, because, like I said, I, I haven't read those comics since the early 90s, so... I need to get reacquainted with with the vibe of this universe. So it'll, be, it'll be interesting because it'll be interesting to see how Slot does what Peter David did. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I bet Peter David is a little excited to see his stuff come back.
0: Yeah, you would think so. And you got And I wonder if we're going to see 2099 stuff elsewhere because I mean, there just seems to be this wholesale focus on the future in Marvel right now. When you look at some of their other events. Um, yeah. Um, and then you and your in your ultimate love fest you get you you have some news right that's relevant to ultimate that's going to be related, relevant to 616 right
1: yeah well I actually last episode if you were watching the visuals you you could see that I put a tweet up that I had with Yost asking him about uh, and if you follow us on Facebook you could see these as well um, where I asked Yost – um, about if you know if you've been reading *Avenging Spider-Man*, he, uh, he, Spider-Man has been collecting all the superior or not superior six, the sinister six, all these S's. Um, right. And uh, because he feels responsible uh, for the team, uh, and for some reason, and you know, it got me thinking: How is he going to get Mysterio? Uh, Because if anybody reads the Ultimate Universe or the Spider-Man series, we find out that the Mysterio in the Ultimate Universe was actually the Mysterio from the 616 universe who had been sending robot drones of his into that universe to commit crimes. And then he gets trapped in the Ultimate Universe at the end of Spider-Man. So I was trying to see if I could catch him on a mistake and be like, you can't get Mysterio because he's in another universe. Uh, But he seems to – he said in an interview recently that he will be returning and that he will be coming back from the Ultimate Universe in uh, the next Avenging 22 issue where the Punisher is going after Mysterio. So we're going to see a return of Mysterio to the uh, normal universe.
0: Yes. And now, if I can, if we can digress for half a second, um, in terms of avenging, I mean, what, what, what have you, th- what have you thought about how US has been wrapping up this arc with the Sinister Six? I, I mean, I, I, the reason I ask is because I've been a little disappointed. I, I, I was initially really grooving on what US was doing on the title. And, and I feel like since, um, the, um, the uh the 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 night the the, the dream issue issue 19 that it's just kind of kind of gone in a weird direction and and like the tone is just all over the place i don't feel it's even remotely consistent with um what slot engage are doing in superior and i i kind of feel like 22 is going to be the last issue right before they go to superior team up
1: i believe there's a 23 as well Oh, okay. Where he's also with Punisher. It might be a double a double one. I could be wrong, though.
0: Um, I mean, either way, I mean, the end is drawing near, and I almost kind of feel like, I mean, not to make a gross assumption here, but, I mean, these issues just kind of feel a little phoned in for me. I don't know. Uh, do, I feel do, do, like
1: the last two issues, were they were just padded beyond belief. They, like, something must be coming up soon that's going to make them change the name of the comic and still keep the same – creative team that like I feel like these issues were not synced up at the same time that is Dan Slott's plan and I wonder with the new title if we're going to get the new characterization of Spider-Man as well with Peter Parker
0: yeah I mean like issue 20 kind of felt to me initially how um 15.1 did where I I almost wonder when when 15.1 was written if Yost was totally in the know about what was going to happen with Astral Peter being back and you know in some form, Um, because like it kind of like took this very dark tone compared to what was going on in ASM, and then Superior One kind of brought it back, and and then I felt the Benji mirrored it, and I feel like here we are again. We had the status quo shift, and um, Yost just went in a really odd direction after that. Switched up that I don't feel got mirrored by what slot was doing. And yeah, I I wonder come July when everything is aligned again, um, you know, new titles, new names, the same creative teams, if we're going to kind of get more consistency with tone again.
1: Yeah. And I'm not sure what the creative process on these things is like, but it does seem a little bit different, um, you know, than the others, but you know, it could just been that they were bad issues. I mean, I don't think they were that bad. I thought the art was great. And, um, and, I like some of the characterization. I thought the chameleon being like a Hannibal Lecter character was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never seen him that violent per se. I mean I guess we did during the arc where he like became Peter briefly. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean I didn't hate it but I also thought like it was padded down with Avengers stuff. And you know what? I've got my Avengers movie like on my shelf. I don't need it like – that movie to pervade my comics anymore. Yeah, I'm I mean, Nick, sick of that.
0: Nick Fury looking like Samuel L. Jackson and Agent Coulson. I mean, it's 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 a little silly. I mean, yeah, and that's a, whole, that's like, a Marvel Reddit, issue. Night that's not that's not that's not a, a Spider Man issue. That's a Marvel issue.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think those will be one of those things where you read a, a column like ten years from now where somebody points out all the Nick Fury Junior stuff and just makes fun of it because it's just so odd. I mean, we have we have that character in the ultimate universe. Why not have him come over from the ultimate universe and be just a different character? You know, the the alternate Nick Fury, like why create this new character and try to like convince us that this is Nick Fury now? I I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, it just, it just felt, yeah. I mean, even, even like when, when Hulk kind of went on his rampage, it, it, it felt very Avengers movie ish. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's still impressive every time I see it. And it's just like, you know, I mean, the Hulk has existed in this universe now for how many years? So, <laughs> like, it sounds like you're seeing them for the first time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the the one thing, I mean, kind of news-related that does intrigue me with Avenging slash Superior Team-Up is we, we found out that um, it's August. We're going to get this um, crossover with, super, with uh, Superior Team-Up and Scarlet Spider and Kane and Otto are going to be interacting for the first time since uh, the mid-90s, correct? I I, I don't think there was anything since then.
1: Yeah, I can't can't think of anything.
0: And, of course, you know, for those who are uninitiated, uh, and not to spoil 20-year-old stories for you, but the last time the two met, Kane ripped off Otto's head. <laughs> so this should be, and, and, and Jost has been very blatant in his interviews that that will be remembered. <laughs> this, such actions are not, um, um, forgotten. And, and, and just, so you're kind of like, wait, so how is Doc Ock still alive? The hand resurrected him. Um, even though
1: you tore my brain from my body i remember that you did that
0: exactly and but but i i mean i this is actually a crossover i've long anticipated because ever since they switched things up i was saying to myself what is peter's clone gonna think about the new spider-man because he's gonna you know if any to me if anybody's gonna pick up that there's something not quite right here it's gonna be the clone um you know the other issue of course is you know, I, I know you're kind of this way and that with Scarlet Spider. I've enjoyed the series, um, but we're now currently in a Wolverine arc, which we all know, you know, anybody who knows their 90s history knows that when whenever Marvel is worried about sales, they throw Wolverine into a title. Plus, you got the movie coming out in July. Um, but additionally, you know, it seems like they're really trying to, to pump this title up a little bit. And I almost wonder if this is kind of a last gasp for it.
1: Well, it's funny. If you look at the sales, it's outselling Venom, which I never would have thought.
0: Well, that's a, um, that, that. To me, at least, shows that buyers know what their buyers have some taste. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah,
1: which is unfortunate because I liked Venom for
0: a while. Yeah, um, I've I've been arguing with the symbiote symbiote uh, gallery for a while now about the direction of Venom. But but I, I, yeah, I mean, so I mean, maybe Spider isn't totally on Death's doorstep. But I mean, it, I do find it kind of curious that we had this Wolverine arc, which the first part was I thought was really interesting. Um, he actually quote unquote kills Wolverine in it, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like the timing, the timing of this crossover is curious, but also it's something I've wanted to see. So no complaints.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to point out for you and your premonitions are, is that we talked about last, uh, two episodes ago, we talked about the iron spider costume and you mentioned that you really liked The arms and how appropriate it would be for Otto to, you know, use that costume to have the arms back again and get – what did we find out, Mark?
0: Oh, we found out in issue 14 he's going to have some iron spider arms. So, yes, Mark is brilliant or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's called A Lucky Guess. It's called, hey, isn't this interesting? I'm reading these comics about Iron Man and I remembered this.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going to give you a little more credit than that. So when I I saw that, I thought of you.
0: No, I, I, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see We'll see how that's used. We'll see if it's just kind of a one- or two-page thing or if this is going to be something that's part of the arsenal going forward.
1: Yeah, well, it's featured on the cover, so I thought that was pretty cool.
0: No, you're right, you're right. Um, and then, of course, um, the, the one last little news bit I just wanted to hit up was um, uh, kind of coincide with the uh, Infinity miniseries that's going to be coming out in, um, I believe, September, which is going to be... Jonathan, Hick- Jonathan Hickman's turn to do uh, Thanos and Infinity Gauntlet silliness. Uh, they're going to issue a new... It looks like it's going to be an ongoing called Mighty. And uh, Otto is going to be part of the scene. looks like another. it's going to be basically the Avengers on Earth as the rest of them are all fighting the Cosmic War. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the only reason why I thought this was worth mentioning is, you know, we, we, we've kind of had Otto distancing himself from these super teams, uh, even though he's still technically on the Avengers, you know, he's on probation, whatever that even means. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel like in those Avenger titles, he's been kind of really used on the on the periphery because it's just, I mean, it's like, what do you even do with this guy at this point? Um, especially with, you know, these other, more established Avengers, yeah, um, and
1: even even when it was Peter, he was always just a guy to come in and make a joke here or there, but never really had a big moment. Um, I guess he did during um, Avengers vs X Men, but you know he's kind of just been on the background in the Avengers world since the Civil War. I, I'd say so.
0: Yeah, um, but so, but he, I mean, I think he was the second character announced as part of this new Mighty Team.
1: Yeah, I think so, after Luke Cage.
0: Yeah. So apparently he's. He, he, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, do you think? Do you think? Do we need more? Do we? Do we, do we need superior Spider-Man on another team, or is this the Is this going to be kind of more of the same? Do you think?
1: I mean, if it's well written, fine. I. I don't think I'll be picking it up. But I. I don't typically pick up the team up like Avengers issues, like because I'll get a couple lines of Spider-Man, and it typically doesn't really add much to the story or take away from the story. If I hear good things about it, then maybe I'll check it out. But it, yeah. it, it's nothing that really like pings on my radar.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll check it out because I'll, I'll, I'll be reading Infinity because I love the cosmic stuff, and I'm curious to see what it's going to read like without Starlin, Jim Starlin, writing it. Yeah. Um, but so I'll I'll grab some of the tie-ins. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a little cynical. Yeah, I, I have
1: long since kind of shooed away from the big events like. Um, Fear itself was the last one that I read and after that I kind of swore off them
0: uh, yeah I mean Age of Ultron started great and then I it's kind of devolved into typical Bendis stuff although we're going to get this black polybagged last issue uh, <laughs> with, a, with a big super secret ending that's going to turn the universe on its ear so we'll see what that is
1: <laughs> oh well
0: Yes. Um, is that all the news that's fit to print yes so why don't we why don't we look back? Why don't we why don't we why don't we go back in time to what is it? Nineteen sixty four, I believe.
1: Yeah, probably nineteen sixty seven. No, sixty five. I mean, 65. Okay. what, what am I talking 67.
0: about? Come on, man. No. I can't even <laughs> add.
1: And I used to be a math teacher.
0: Um, yeah, we thought, given, I guess, more so the events of Superior Ten, because the Goblin stuff didn't get touched upon in Eleven, but but, but just you know, this idea of of. Spider-Man fighting street-level crime again. Too, we would look back at um, the Stan Lee Steve Dicko two-part arc, Amazing Spider-Man twenty-six and twenty-seven, which uh, introduces the Crime Master and uh, Green Goblin as both as dueling crime lords. Um, I'm 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 glad that we are using this as kind of our nostalgic section because this is this is a really great underappreciated Silver Age arc. I think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, In terms of If This Be My Destiny and, um, you know, obviously all of the classic first appearance issues. I mean, the Crime Master, while, you know, in his time was a pretty formidable foe when the title itself focused more on the crime element. You know, he. he, I mean, he became a thorn in in Flash Thompson's side there. But I mean, you know, the Crime Master was not. Doesn't I don't think go on into one of the all time greats for Spider Man. But you know, for this for these issues, you got a lot of classic Dicko Lee Spidey stuff here. Um, This is my favorite
1: Dicko Goblin story.
0: Yes, I think it's probably his best. It's definitely his best story. Uh, You know, the, the the whole element is. Who is you know who is the crime master and who is the green goblin and there's even the splash page that um, I recently spotlighted on the page you can look down in your your iOS device and see it now here um, that you know with, with Spider-Man sitting on the question mark and you have the crime master you have the goblin you have Frederick Foswell who was the former uh, big man and now is reforming and is the crime reporter for the Bugle. And it's like, who are these people? And is Foswell one of these crime lords? Is he back, you know, back in the, in the world of crime? And it's a really great whodunit caper, um, which I think is actually um, really gets legendary status by how it's wrapped up where, you know, the crime master is revealed and it's, and it's just some guy. And and there's even this joke where it's like, Oh, you know, sometimes it's not the butler. Sometimes it's just some guy you never met before. And, and, you know, Which actually kind of, um, you know, depending on whose version of history you're reading, kind of plays into um, the whole thing about who was going to be the Green Goblin. Yeah, didn't
1: Dicko want it to be the same thing, just nobody?
0: allegedly, yes, although I've heard disputes to that. But, I mean, you know, I guess the common accepted version of the story is that Dicko just wanted to be another guy and Stan wanted it to be someone big. Um, Stan and Dicko had their friction anyway. So that's what caused him to leave, and Ramita to come on, and you know, Amazing Spider-Man 39 uh, with its very famous cover, um, one of my all-time favorite covers. Uh, that that reveals it's da 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 Norman Osborn, um, grandfather to Normie. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, I I I just I, I mean, I don't know. For me, one of my favorite parts of of this arc also is, uh, and this is just such a great demonstration of the parker luck that we've always heard about although oh, kind yeah of, kind of spinning around so peter uh aunt may took his costume away because you know because you know she finds the costume and of course you know in, in in that day you know her assumption wasn't that he was spider-man it was like why are you playing with your with this silly costume i'm gonna i'm gonna take it from you and you're punished without wheat cakes for the morning or something <laughs> uh and uh, and the other, I think the other costumes in, in Jameson's office or something like so. So Peter doesn't have doesn't have his Spidey d- his, his Spidey duds. So he goes to a costume shop and buys an imitative imitation costume that doesn't fit. So like he's like sitting there the whole issue, struggling like the the legs are coming up, the sleeves are coming down, the mask is coming loose. He looks and- like the
1: biggest dork. He's got these like fleshy pink parts just sticking out of his costume.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this is the stuff again. I mean, I say this over and over whenever I look back at these old issues. Like, he, he, this is what made Spider-Man so great because, like, you just didn't have this kind of stuff in a superhero comic before. Something, I a, a character just so flawed and and and, and hopeless sometimes. I mean, yeah, like, and he it,
1: even makes mention of it. He's like, "I bet Daredevil never had to go through this problem." Yeah, it's,
0: yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous and, and but great, like ridiculous in a great way. And um, yeah, and 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 what's actually funny about it is. Um, it ends up kind of saving his butt because, you know, the mask is falling off him and he webs it up. And um, when he gets captured by the goblin, they're trying to unmask him. And they can't pull the mask off because of the webbing. So, you know, because of his, his bad luck and stupidity, he ends up saving his, you know, keeping his identity a secret, which would, of course, get revealed issues later. But um, I just thought that was kind of cool where, you know, this moment of embarrassment actually ends up kind of saving his butt. Um, what did you think of these issues?
1: Yeah, they're great, and you know, uh, it's it's the only the second uh, like set of issues that you know carries over into each other. This kind of larger story than a single issue arc, and you know, reading through them for the first time, uh, you know, I was kind of struck by you know the origins of like how the goblin operated as like a mob boss. You know, this kind of battle over you know this turf grounds and and who is the 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 master of these uh, criminals and I've always liked stories like this with Spider Man especially if you read like Ultimate Spider Man it's a lot more about this kind of low level street crime and and I always felt like that was a good place for Spider Man to be to kind of be like, beating up little guys and making jokes about them and and this issue's got plenty of that um, and I also think Ditko's art is like on fire here I mean he's always great but you know, the opening of the issue shows a very different Peter Parker than we're kind of been seeing in the first few issues, as he's getting more comfortable with it. And I love it when he's tearing through his house looking for his costume. Uh, is especially funny. So yeah, I mean, this is the Goblin that I like the best—the kind of like street-level Goblin that's just Norman Osborn doing his own devious little things. Um, and 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 that's what I like about it, really.
0: It- and it makes sense for the character too i mean you know osborn is is, is an industrialist so i mean you know of course he would want to control the crime element you know and the under the underworld so to speak i mean it, it it's i mean there actually are a lot of parallels to him and then later wilson fisk in terms of being a crime lord you know like i i, I feel like you know modern stories kind of got away with this and just made him into this super maniac not this calculated um mastermind
1: Yeah. And it feels like he has a real purpose here. Like he's trying to, you know, take over this mob. Like I said earlier, you know, like it's not just only about revenge on Spider-Man. Like he actually had like a definable goal with his actions.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So if you guys haven't read those issues, like we strongly recommend you go and check them out. You know, um, can you find them on the Marvel U app?
0: Yeah, you can. I mean, Marvel U is, is is really fantastic. I mean, in addition to finding some other obscure stuff, I mean, in terms of ASM, it's got the vast majority of of the ASM uh, collection on there. I mean, you know, with some holes like in the, in the 80s and, and 90s, basically. But it has the entire Ditko Lee run. It's got the entire Romita Lee run. Uh, so by all means, um, yeah, check them out. Yeah, and the
1: essentials are great ways to uh... – to get up, and or you could be like us and spend a pretty penny getting
0: them. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> but I don't want other people catching up to our collections, Dan. come on. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to be fighting over the few remaining copies.
0: Yeah, it's actually worth noting. I, I should throw this up there. I know you can't link to the story anymore, but um, I, I this twenty six was one. It was the last two issues I got um, before my son was born uh, last November. Uh, or two Novembers ago I should say. And and you know, those who follow me on my blog know that I my, my collecting has kind of slowed down uh since since my, my son was born just because between time and money it's just this has been other priorities. So um it I got um that an issue in ASM eighteen uh at the same time and that was kind of like my last big uh spending purchase of of, of comics for a while. I mean I've gotten a couple things since then but those were kind of like big time issues for me. And uh, so, I mean, this one for that, for obvious reasons, has a little extra significance to me.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I remember getting this one too. It was my first like uh, Dicko Goblin issue that I got. And now I have all of them, but uh, you know, it was a special place in my heart where I was like, yes, I'm making my way closer to getting all the Goblins.
0: Why don't we read some uh, feedback from people
1: Yeah as you guys know, uh, you know Every episode we'll read uh, Some of your feedback in form of iTunes reviews and uh, Mail so let's, let's Talk we got a couple iTunes reviews So thanks to everybody who ra- uh, Rated us on iTunes Even those of you who didn't write anything Because you can always just give us a star rating Although we like reading the things that you guys write So uh, Mark why don't you take it away And, and read our first iTunes review
0: Sure. We, this is from MicroB2223. Yeah, 2223 from New York City. He writes So happy I found this podcast. It made for an awesomely awkward day in the office, which is every day in the office for me. Uh, what the hell are you listening to? asked a co- random coworker. An awesome podcast all about Spider Man, I responded. It's pretty I'm glad he. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> he said that. Yeah. And, then he, and then he wrote, I uh, completely agree with your breakdown of Superior Spider Man 9. This was an epic, all caps. Spidey vs. Doc Ock Battle, captured by Awesome Artwork. I appreciate the education on the Peter Palmer reference. Good job, Dan. Uh, Google that right away. Uh, also, I'm headed home to read my copy of ASM 33 right now. Keep up the amazingly superior work. Puns are, of course, intended.
1: So thanks, b 223 That was really funny uh, iTunes review. And, and, uh, you know, Hold I, on a I second,
0: Dan. I <laughs> hope that you guys enjoyed. Dan, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait, you want to start that over? I'm sorry. I just was like yeah, wheezing.
1: <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so uh, thanks, b 223 for writing in. That was a really funny uh, review, and we really appreciate it. And we hope that you enjoyed uh, looking up Peter Palmer and uh, ASM33, which is an awesome issue, one of the best,
0: right? Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> ASM33 is an all-time great. There's, there's just no way around it. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, why don't you take the uh, the second one? Although I think I'll be chiming in on this one because I think this one includes a question for you, right?
1: Uh, well, no, no, that's in our spider mail. So,
0: oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, let me want let to start that over again. Yeah. Then. <laughs> uh, so why don't you take the next one, Dan?
1: All right. Yeah. Sure. This one's from C J. and Buster. Although the review says I, so I don't know if it's C J. or Buster, but. Either way, I hope both of you are listening. Maybe it's Eddie
0: and Venom. I mean, you never know.
1: Oh, one is encased in the other?
0: There you go. Okay,
1: that's kind of awkward, but all right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Buster's his dog or something. I don't
0: there know. We go. There we go. That could be but, bad if Buster is the Buster, one writing this. We have an Arrested Development reunion here. There
1: we go. There we go. So the title of this one is Superior Podcast, and he writes uh, – or he or she, because a CJ I guess could be a girl um, – I have recently come back to comics. Imagine my shock when I found out last December they killed Peter Parker. They killed him. Well, I stumbled onto your podcast, and I am so glad I did. I'm enjoying The Superior Spider-Man very much as well as reading and collecting back issues of Amazing Spider-Man. I appreciate the information on the shows and the direction to websites about Spidey. Thanks so much, and keep up the great work. Well, keep up the great work of writing in, CJ, and or Buster.
0: Or or both. Yes. Uh, Yes. Um, and then we also got some mail. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this this one was actually left on on chasing amazing. Do you want to take it, Dan?
1: Yeah, I'll take it so you can get the next one. Um, okay. And this is from Cass, I imagine, and you it, it left it on your blog. But we thought it was so interesting, we had to read it. So
0: yeah, and, and Cass is, is a frequent commenter on my blog, so we're all good. I think I think he actually followed me over from Comics Should Be Good one time. So you know, I, I like people who follow me. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> So he writes, uh, Hey, Mark and Dan and Tyler. So, Tyler, I hope you're listening. Great show. I'm glad to see I'm not the only one to get snubbed by Spider Fan. I've been listening to your episodes in reverse order, and I just wanted to comment on a question you guys were pondering in the first episode as to how long Superior will last. I feel like it would be a very damn slot thing to do to end the series at issue 33 or 38 in honor of Dicko, with 700 serving as the mirror to Amazing Fantasy fifteen, in which Otto first discovers the code of power and responsibility. Anyway, just a thought. Hope to hear more from you guys soon. What did you think about this?
0: I think that's a great theory.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of hope that's true. I mean, we have nothing really to base it on. And and I had my theories about him lifting the rubble off of his head. And what a cool, like, that would be so cool to, it to be issue 33. Like, uh, I wouldn't put it past Dan Slott either. That's a really good idea, Cass.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, the, the continuity man himself, I think, would be into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just mention it to Slott. He might just make that happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then here's another question. Uh, this is from, um, Alton Labrec. And if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. Uh, two questions, both kind of broad first at times. It seems like a fan anger over Ock getting control resembled that of when, when fans are angry about when Bucky or uh, Dick took over. Um, uh, what are your guys feelings about legacy characters? And do you feel fans would have freaked out as much if it had been a 616 version of miles or something that replaced, uh, Peter, Or maybe they kept Octavillain and had Kane try and bring Peter back. Uh, The second question is more for Dan uh, because I know he's the ultimate Spider-Man guy, which you are. Uh, In the most recent, when I'm sending this issue, Miles' mom is killed off with her final words being not tell her dad about Miles being Spider-Man. Do you feel that was necessary or shoehorned in tragedy to make him like Peter but a little different?
1: Well, let's tackle the first question first. Yes. Do we feel like people would have freaked out if it had been a six-one-six version of Miles that replaced Peter, or like how do we feel about legacy characters in general? So, what are your feelings on this, Mark? Uh,
0: It's 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 all about execution. Um, You know, I, I there there have been times where a legacy character has been replaced and it hasn't gone well. I mean, like, let's. Also, I mean, before we go any further, let's let's also mention this is not the first time we had a switch up with Peter. And, I mean, we talked about with Tyler in episode three about the Clone Saga to some extent. Um, I mean, you know, they were doing issues with the Scarlet Spider in, in you know during the nineties. So, I mean, we've we've seen this before, and and those issues didn't go over well. I think in part because they were poorly executed. Um, but and and now I I didn't read the the Ed Brubaker run on Captain America. But I know there are long-term Cap fans that thought the whole switch with Bucky was brilliant and was amazingly done. Um, they, they think it was one of the best things that ever happened to the series. Um, so, uh, you know, it just depends on who the writer is and, and, and I guess the respect and reverence they have for the legacy character. As, as we've talked about many times, uh, you know, I, I don't question that there's no bigger Spider-Man fan out there. Uh, than dance slot so i I do feel that that this will come together in a satisfying way um so i i i don't get caught up with the status quo switches if they're done in in, in a in a slick way i guess you know
1: yeah I, I agree i think I think fans will always freak out when something like this happens. you know, I bet there were detractors when buggy uh, buggy Bucky came back what was I talking about um, and uh you know, we've seen it even in Batman, like where Azrael came over and everybody got really upset about him. But it ended up being a character that people really enjoyed. So I think, so long as you give it time, people's you know anger will subside. Now I know some people who are still really angry, and I, I look at message boards and people want Peter Parker back. But I think these will be the same people that read this story are t- in several years talk about the story as one of their favorite stories. Uh, in Spider-Man history, if it's done, continued to be done right. So, you know, I really think fans will freak out no matter what, but, you know, you can't, if, if fans were to dictate every change in story, we would never get any interesting stories. P- people don't know what they want and they want to be surprised. Otherwise things get stale. And if, and if you can see what's coming up, you know, it's not going to be that surprising. I will happy, happily be wrong about everything about Superior Spider-Man that I've predicted because it means that I wasn't smart enough to guess where it's going. So that's kind of how my feeling about it.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I mean, I, I say this, I feel like every episode at least six times. This the, These issues have Peter all over them. So, I mean, like I, I feel like when people – Get up in arms about. Oh, there's no Peter. Peter's dead. Well, I'm not going to read until Peter's come back. I feel like they're just not reading or they're not understanding uh, the text because I feel like it's just Peter all over it. It's still this. This is still his story. This is still his life. It's someone else living his life, which is what makes, um, which adds to the dramatic elements to it. But like, it's not like we completely change the uh, the scene um you know and the tone to the point where we're, we're focusing on a whole new group of characters and and, and whatnot I mean I felt your your, your comparison with Batman and, and Azrael was really good because I felt if it, it does feel similar to that you know like it's just it's it's it, you know where we're, we're 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 looking through the lens of we know this is not how this character is supposed to act and we know at some point the throne is going to be challenged again
1: yeah, I mean, and Slot is definitely a fan of Batman. He has a callback to him in the third issue of Superior Spider-Man with the spider signal in the sky. You know, I think that was the nod of the hat that this is kind of a Batman take on this character.
0: Definitely. And what about your the second question about Miles?
1: So the question is that um, Miles' mother was killed in um, Ultimate Spider-Man after kind of a string of really kind of devastating moments for Miles and um, he wants to know if he felt that I, that was necessary or uh, shoehorned in tragedy to make him like Peter but a little different. You know, I, I think, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of an over-reliance on killing off a family member, um, you know. But, uh, you know, he emailed this before the following issue had come out, which I think is one of the best issues i've read where a year transpires in between the comics and miles has aged quite a bit and i think it's a really interesting dynamic shift for the character and one of the things that i think that has been great about ultimate spider-man since the uh the renumbering with miles as the main character is that his um story of why he is spider-man how he became spider-man his origin story is ongoing it's been going on for 20 some issues we still don't really no defined reason. And Miles hasn't really found a defined reason to be Spider-Man yet. Um, And, you know, even now he tore up the costume and is uh, refusing to be Spider-Man. And I think it's all really interesting, you know, examination of what makes his character so different from Peter. And so, yeah, I'm not in love with the idea that they killed off the mother and, and, having it be so similar, but I do think that it has been used successfully and, you know, any idea is good just because it echoes Peter doesn't make it a bad idea. Um, but you know, maybe in a way it echoing it is a great thing because all the new ultimate Spider-Man has all been just like this series has been all about mirroring Peter Peter and seeing how two different people react to similar situations and, and what that, how, what that means about the character of Spider-Man. So, um, yeah, I see what I see. The point you're making and, and the question you're asking, um, and I agree with you somewhat. But I think it's been handled really well. And if anybody has been reading Ultimate Spider-Man, they know that Bendis has his hands gripping like, this book so tightly. He knows what he's doing. Like, the, there's been no more consistently well-written book than Ultimate Spider-Man. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. And Mark, uh, if you guys could send in tweets and emails urging Mark to read Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> I would like you to bombard him. Uh,
0: I, I it's, it's it's on my to-read pile, but it's, I also have nine hundred thousand other things on my to-read piles. But I, I will get to it at some point. Mark, it's, it's,
1: it's only a hundred and eighty some issues. It's not that big a
0: deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just add, like I said, add it to the pile. <laughs> You can tweet at me about Ultimate, but um, the other thing you can do if you want to uh, contact uh, us or, or, or just get in touch with our podcast, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air as we have done with these uh, other reviews and ratings here. Great.
1: And if you have any opinions on these comics we just talked about, or any questions, you can email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com and we'll both address them and read them on the air, like we just did just now. If you exactly. are listening, and uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com/superiorspidertalk, because you know we got a month until the next one, and you want to keep up with us, right? And that's a good way to do so.
0: Yes, Facebook. Everyone's on Facebook, so find us on Facebook and like us.
1: Awesome. So, Mark, uh, where can we read more of your work on the Internet?
0: Well, where can't you read it, Dan? No, no, no.
1: (laughs) That's the the better question.
0: You can find me every Monday and Thursday and even a few days uh, in between that on my my homepage, which is www.chasingamazingblog.com. Also, Wednesday, June 19th. Uh, I will have a special column up on www.longboxgraveyard.com, which is going to be an analysis of the Spider-Man-Human-Torch relationship. Uh, you can find me every week on uh, Comics Should Be Good, uh, doing the Gimmick or Good column, which is a look on uh, at 90s comics with gimmick covers. And obviously the gimmick cover is kind of going through a big resurrection o- uh, over the last few months, uh, so this column is more relevant than ever. And uh, finally, you can find my writing on cquart.org. Uh, I've done some Spider Man stuff on there, and actually, starting uh, Friday, June 21st, I'm going to be starting a Walking Dead series there. Oh, I didn't know you read Walking Dead. Oh, I read Walking Dead. I, I, I am, I'm, like, there are things about me you don't even know.
1: Oh, I'm smelling a superior Walking Dead cast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I I, I I must admit I, I catch up with it through trades, so I, I'm not up to date on it. So, okay. but 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 yeah, I'm, I'm I'm you know to a certain point with it in trades.
1: Well, Mark, it sounds like you're writing a doctoral thesis on Spider-Man history.
0: Yes. And where can we find your things, Dan?
1: Oh, just my measly self over at grindmyreels.com, where I have the scoop, the world's first review of Man of Steel. On my website, so be sure to check it out because by the time you hear this, it will have gone live, and uh, much to uh, Warner Brothers' dislike,
0: it'll either be live or you'll be in jail. Yeah, it'll be one, <laughs>
1: it'll be one of the two. So look forward to that. And actually, I have some pretty exciting news coming up, uh, and you'll hear about it next podcast about where you might be able to find some more of my work in the future. But you can also follow me on Twitter at, at @dan_gavazdin. Um, and uh, yeah I'm tweeting yeah. all the time so why yeah.
0: not and let, uh, can I add you can find me at ChasingASM blog on Twitter as well
1: just follow either one of us and you'll find the other one because we're all yeah. tweeting to each other
0: this is very true I should have yeah that's, I, I didn't mean to step on your toes there Dan. <laughs> no no absolutely okay so from Superior Spider Talk Podcast this is Mark Ginocchio and Dan Gavazan wishing you an amazingly superior day thanks again for downloading
1: oh god